Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of Believe in the Jaguars podcast on the Believe Podcast Network. I'm your co-host, Phil Smith, a.k.a. Phil the Filipino. And as always, I am joined by my co-host here, the managing editor of the Jaguars Wire from USA Today, James Johnson. Jay, how are you doing after many, many trials and tribulations we've gone through to get this episode done? How are you doing tonight, bud? Yeah, man, we're on like take five here, but we finally got things rolling a little bit of that. Well, most of it was due to me, so I, I'll take the L on that one. I'll take the blame on it, but man, I'm good. I can't complain on this Wednesday night, man. I'm ready to talk some Jags. Uh, we got some exciting things to talk about and some, uh, you know, some controversial things to talk about as well uh, in the case of shot come. Yeah, absolute user user error on Jay's side over there. So, but no matter, uh, as always, as we have mentioned, we are committed to bringing you guys the best Jaguars podcast on the airwaves. Uh, before we get started, you know, if you are enjoying the show, please go over to Apple Podcasts and give us a rating and also subscribe. Um, we've already had a few, a few people actually go on there and leave us some reviews. The early response to the show has just been really, really great so far. Right, Jay? Yeah, absolutely, man. People have responded well. And again, I think like much of that is due to uh, the following that we built before now and like everybody seeing us kind of climb the ranks, if you will. And all of that support is just poured into Believe in the Jags podcast. We appreciate it. Uh, We want to ask people to continue to support us uh, in, in many, many ways. We actually set up a Patreon this week, which is Patreon slash believe or patreon.com excuse me slash believe in the jags and then we also got a link tree which basically links you to all of our different platforms we could be heard on and our patreon account or just any way to get connected with us in general and that is link tree slash believe in jags so feel free to check those out we'll link them in the uh, actual podcast description as well so you could just simply click on them and uh, it'll take you where you need to go if you want to continue to support us. That is correct. And though, and that link tree will lead you to pretty much wherever you can listen to our podcast because we're an Apple podcast, Spotify, Google Play, Stitcher, Luminary, and TuneIn. You can also find us at Believe.com and at Believe Podcast. So you can find us pretty much anywhere. Um, if We can also find us on social media as far as Jay and I. I am at Phil the Filipino, F-I-L-I-P-I-N-O, and you can find Jay at SportsGrind underscore Don. If you are an advertiser that is interested in advertising uh, on the show, please contact Believe at Believe.com. There are plenty of opportunities on there. And then, of course, you know, just for a second week in a row, Jay, just want to give a shout out to our our brother, Jacob DeLawrence. He is doing great work over on the Believe podcast. He actually got over here and got started on Believe a little bit before we did. He's, He's doing really good work with the UConn women's basketball podcast and also his brand new podcast believe in NXT with his co-host Cedric and those are two two excellent shows and you know like I said we uh, we wouldn't be here without Jacob's support 
getting us, um, you know, through the, our early podcast days leading to where we are now. Yeah, absolutely, man. Appreciate like him just being there through the early Jags den days and the early Jags wire days at that. He was the first writer that I brought on board with me, as a matter of fact, man. But yeah, uh, having thoroughly enjoyed what him and Cedric are doing with the NXT podcast. And uh, actually, when I get done with this, I actually get to watch some NXT and then I'll probably go back and listen to what they get to say or what they have to say. And I'll also watch some AEW. So uh, feel free to check both of his podcasts out. And that's Jacob's podcast. That's the NXT podcast or Believe in NXT and Believe in UConn's Women Basketball. And again, shout outs to Cedric as well. That's right, guys. All right. Well, let's get into our topic for this week here, Jay. And we've decided to kind of do a position by position breakdown of the entire roster. And, you know, this is going to give us plenty of opportunity to talk about how we feel about the team going forward, as well as how we feel how uh, as the, how the team is constructed right now. And of course, you know, you got to start with the most important position and that is quarterback. And of course, that is going to be a very, very hot topic of conversation throughout the entire offseason, throughout all of training camp, throughout all of preseason, and probably right up until the regular season begins. So, Jay, tell them a little bit about what we're going to be doing here this uh, this for this episode. So, yeah, for the quarterback preview, we're going to take a look at the Jaguars, three quarterbacks. That's Jag, uh, that's Gardner Minshew, Nick Foles, and Joshua Dobbs. We'll also look at the competition, which will be a two-way between Foles and Minshew. Minshew has spoke on it. Foles, not so much because he hasn't really been in the media. Uh, we'll also uh, declare who we think will be a winner in that competition, when they'll declare a winner, uh, whether that be spring, fall, or in the summer. Uh, we'll also Looking to a possible Nick Foles trade as well, because that's something that's been um, thrown out there as well, especially when looking at the quarterback situations around the league. It's not just Jacksonville, but it's other teams that uh, actually need a veteran quarterback at this time and moment. So, uh, you know, maybe that could be on the table. And then we'll also discuss the draft, which, you know, that might be an option for the Jacksonville Jaguars is highly unlikely. But we'll look into that as well in terms of the quarterback position. That's right. So let's just get right into it here, Jay. Now, you mentioned we haven't really heard too much from Nick Foles in the offseason. Really quick before we get into it, actually, I do want to give a shout out and a congratulations to him and his wife for announcing their their new child. So, uh, you know, congratulations to them. Um, but Gardner Minshew has pretty much been the exact opposite as far as his media presence. He was a very he was quite a pretty much all over the place uh, during Super Bowl week. He was pretty vocal about him not being in the running for the rookie of the year. Um, of course that went to Kyler Murray. You know, he's been very, very confident in how he has, uh, you know, has, how he's spoken uh, since the season has ended. Of course he was in the news because he went on that, uh, that road trip in the RV, uh, which I thought was going to be a little bit better. Uh, we'll talk about that in a little bit, but you know, he was, he's really been all over the place and he's still capturing the hearts and, and imaginations of people here in Duval County. So uh, you know, there is, there's going to be this competition here, Jay. I guess we'll start off really with just up front who we think is ultimately going to win this competition. And when do you think they'll actually declare it? Will it be, you know, do you think we'll know relatively early when it comes to, you know, the preseason or whenever it may be? Or do you think this thing is going to go right up until week one? You have to think that Gardner Minshew is 
pretty much in the minds of Dave Caldwell and probably Doug Marone been declared the winner of this competition. They may not make it seem like that initially, uh, but for Marone's case, especially, uh, you know, Marone values mobility, uh, this, that, and the other, because he said so when back when Blake Bortles was in the competition with Chad Henney. Uh, so I think he would lean toward more towards Gardner Minshew. That's not to say like Nick Foles is just completely immobile um, in the pocket, but I mean, Gardner Minshew just gives you so much more in terms of uh, that category and, and what he could do in the pocket and, and extending the play as well. So I would think the edge goes to Gardner Minshew in, in the eyes of Coach Marone from that perspective. Um, and, and then in the meetings, you know, that they had with Shai Khan to basically lay out a plan like, hey, you're going to keep us. But uh, here's the plan for 2020 and what we're going to do in terms of Dave Caldwell and, and Doug Marone talking to Shai Khan. You would think like they probably all but said like, hey, we think we're probably going to go with Gardner Minshew in this situation. And, uh, you know, that might be appealing to Shai Khan from the perspective of, uh, you know, putting butts in seats because Gardner Minshew is this alluring figure, as uh, Phil has said. So I think it's definitely going to be Gardner Minshew. Now, if Foles doesn't get traded, which I think he probably will, and that's just my personal opinion, if he doesn't get traded, that kind of puts them in a situation where they can't declare a winner early, although they may have their minds made up, in my opinion. They might declare it in the fall in that case or or basically, um, you know, like week two or week three into the preseason if Nick Foles remains there. Uh, and of course, like it won't be no need to declare him the winner or should I say uh, Gardner Minshew the winner if Nick Foles gets traded, which I think will happen. But again, if Foles is there, they'll wait till as late as possible to do it, basically, in my opinion. Yeah, I honestly would not be surprised, as you mentioned. Of course, this is a big if if Foles is still on the roster, honestly, I I think just based on how things have gone in the past and how long we were committed, you know, to the whole Blake Bortles project, and maybe things are different now that Tom Coughlin is gone. We'll have to see, but I wouldn't be surprised if this thing goes all the way up until you know week that third preseason game where there, you know, even though if there is a clear line of demarcation between these two quarterbacks, I wouldn't be surprised if they still hold out until the very last minute, until they absolutely have to name a starter. I mean, that's just based off of what we've seen in the past and this regime being a little non-committal. And they, like I said, waiting till the very last minute. I hope things are different. Now, we will mention this here before we get into the next part, Jay, as far as trades, what do you think makes a lot of sense? I've heard names like the Chicago Bears. I've heard the Indianapolis Colts thrown out there. You and I have actually talked about that. And while you don't normally like to deal within your own division, that would be a place that I think you would probably feel comfortable. The Colts have already come out and said they're going to bring in competition for Jacoby Brissett. Now, Phillip Rivers has been tied to the Colts as well. And, you know, there's just a lot of possibilities here. One thing I think I've seen people say is that it may take some kind of Brock Osweiler-esque deal where they have to throw in a pick just to get rid of him. Is that something that's going to be on the table? What do you think is a viable landing spot for Nick Foles should we find somewhere to unload him? Yeah, well, I think the hard part the, the hard part might be giving away the picks for Dave Caldwell. No, he, I mean, yeah, he's traded away picks, but that that's to trade up and, you know, basically get... Uh, players, you know, like Cam Robinson and trading up to get Jawan Taylor and 
and so on and so forth. We never seen him really trade picks to unload a player. Really, no team does that. I mean, to be honest with you. Uh, but I think that might be the hardest part for Dave Caldwell. And while I do think he he is traded, I think it's going to take a unique deal where the other team is not really asking for a lot. And I think the Colts are perfect for that because you can always make the case like, hey, we can't give you a second round pick because you are division rivals. OK, the fact that we're even on the phone with you is ridiculous in itself. So maybe you can have like a little leeway in terms of turning that into maybe a fourth and some change. I, I don't know like what it would, would take to get him off the books. But with Nick Foles already saying he was frustrated last year, I feel like they got to probably get him off the team in terms of just not having a disgruntled player because they already dealing with the NFL PA type thing. Like they don't need any more dirt thrown on their name, their names in terms of, uh, you know, the front office and shotgun and players not liking it there and this, that, and the other. And you would have to think the London thing doesn't make Jacksonville an appealing spot either. That, that'll make it hard from that perspective as well. But um, that being said, like, I think, you know, it's really going to take a team not asking for a lot, which, I mean, that's hard to do because ultimately you're unloading um, a big contract on that team that you're going to trade them to. But the Colts really do uh, pique my interest in terms of maybe getting that done. Uh, the other team, of course, like you said, was the Chicago Bears. That's a that's a given, too, because of the John DeFilippo uh, situation with them making John DeFilippo their quarterback's coach. Um, and, and DeFilippo and, of course, Foles, they worked together not only in Jacksonville, but previously together with the Philadelphia Eagles, where they won the Super Bowl with um, Doug Peterson and, and company. So there's that connection. And I mean, like Mitch Trubisky can't be trusted either. So, you know, there's always that as well. So I think those are the top two destinations. You can't rule out the charges as well. Um, I think they might lean more towards the draft because they're a little bit higher up in, in the draft order, if you will, like maybe a Justin Herbert, you know, somebody who uh, they are well familiar with and that would put butts in the seat over there on the West Coast. So maybe that's an option. But um, I would say probably if I had to rank all of those teams, I would probably say the Colts. And I say the Colts because I don't think Phillip Rivers is very good, by the way. A lot of people connected him to them. But I honestly think that Frank Wright, in his mind, believes that Nick Foles in that system would be better than Phillip Rivers is currently because he didn't play very well, in my opinion. So I think that connection might make them number one. I think Chicago would be a close number two. And I, I guess I would put the Chargers at number three at a distant number three, in my opinion. Yeah, I think the Colts make the most sense. Like you said, you just have to get over the barrier of them being in your own division. I mean, at this point, I don't think that fans or really the coaching staff would be too worried about Nick Foles coming back and haunting them. And if he does, then so be it that you just live with those consequences, right? I mean, so I, I think the Colts makes a lot of sense. The Bears as as well, because I, I just don't see the Bears being so appealing to any of these supposed free agent quarterbacks that may be available. I mean, talk about a crazy year as far as free agency. You know, you may have guys 
like Drew Brees. We are going to have Teddy Bridgewater. Of course, we have Tom Brady coming up, Philip Rivers, uh, all these names, uh, Ryan Tannehill that are possibly going to be available. Dak Prescott, like what's going on at Dallas is just wild. So it, it's going to be a crazy year. And, you know, it's as far as quarterback and, and Jacksonville isn't immune to this issue. I, I really, really like Gardner, guys. I don't want it to come off anything that I say here to come off as like I don't like the kid you know and he delivered some amazing moments last year and while I did kind of you know unintentionally diminish what he did against Indianapolis in week 17 just looking at everything as a whole and taking a step back from the Minshew mania still still seeing a guy uh, you know a guy that has a lot of work to do and being you know just very apparent that he was a late round pick because not even the Jaguars thought he was going to be this good otherwise he would have gone much sooner okay let's just be honest that's uh, that's just the way that it is now if we have fallen into our franchise quarterback you know a lot of the patriots like like they were able to do fantastic but i still have some doubts you know i do think he's the best for the team right now but jay i've put this out there to you now we are i'll move into the next question as far as is drafting a quarterback possibly an option now never say never but joe burrow is probably out of the picture he's probably he's, he is going to go number one whether it be to the Bengals or whatever team is somehow able to pry that pick away from them of course you have tua now the news about tua coming out that his hip has completely healed but there is going to be of course a lot of um, you know, a lot of questions, especially from the medical staffs of teams deciding whether or not he's going to be worth that early pick. And then you get down to the next tier, which is your, your Herberts, your Justin Hurts, uh, or I'm sorry, Jalen Hurts, um, your Jordan Loves, guys of that nature. Now, I have put this idea out to you, and I want to get your opinion on it. Just looking a year ahead, I feel like they should roll with Minshew no matter what, because I don't think the team is going to be very good no matter, you know, just, I just think we're in for another down year. And then that puts you in the driver's seat for a Trevor Lawrence or a Justin Fields in 2021. So looking to the draft, because it is that time of the year, what do you think would be a possible viable situation for them to maybe draft a quarterback, whether it be this year or next year? Well, what I, I will say, uh, First, I want to comment on some of your takes on on, on Minshew. Uh, yeah, I think you're right. He's he's right for the team right now. I have my doubts that he may be the answer now. If he is, so be it, and that's great. Like that's excellent. I'll gladly eat those words if he is. Uh, but he played so well, or, or he played well enough last year, going six and six. He definitely deserves a chance this year. Like you know, I think you know it, it might just be a waste not to see what he has after what he did last year. Now, look if if one of these guys, like which, like Phil said, it's not going to happen, Burrow or uh, I, I'm not the highest on Herbert, uh, but maybe in the right scheme, you know, maybe if he's available, you know, they might consider it, but I, I highly doubt it. But I, I'll get into that part later. But yeah, I, I do think he's earned a, a shot after going six and six. And I'm talking about Minshew here last year. And then, you know, something that we have to consider here is the Jay Gruden effect. Uh, you know, Jay Gruden fits Gardner Minshew to the T in terms of, uh, you know, a coordinator to to quarterback type of relationship. You know, people complain about Gardner's 
Armstrip, for example. Andy Dalton was another prospect exactly like Gardner Minshew in the sense that people questioned his arm strength, that Jay Gruden did good things with him as well. I think they went to three straight playoffs with Jay Gruden as the offensive coordinator there. And he was there from the time that Andy Dalton was a rookie until I think his second or third season. And A.J. Green was a, a thousand yard receiver through all three of those years. So that's a testament of Jay Gruden and what he could do with Minshew and also DJ Chark. And, you know, he's going to make this scheme where it's a West Coast scheme. It's going to cater to Gardner Minshew's needs in terms of getting the ball out quick, uh, this, that, and the other. You know, that pairing might actually make Gardner Minshew the guy for the Jacksonville Jaguars from 2020 and on. So that's something worth considering there as well on that matter. Now, on the quarterback situation, I'm highly, I highly doubt that they would draft one. Uh, you know, maybe they'll take that approach like they have in the past with Tom Coughlin, maybe Doug Marone or, or should I say uh, Dave Caldwell continues that approach where they get a guy in the sixth round every year like they've been doing and, uh, you know, hope he's a good developmental guy or maybe even strike goal like Gardner was for them. Uh, but I, I don't think that they're going to take one in the top three rounds. The only reason I can make an exemption for them doing that is maybe the new player of or the director or player personnel, Trent Balky, might throw that option out there to maybe take a swing at Hertz in the third round. Uh much like Colin Kaepernick, who was a second round pick, not a third round pick, but you know, may take a swing at at Jalen Hurts, you know, a mobile guy, uh somebody that, you know, if you get the right coordinator around again, you know, and somebody that's going to cater to him as a player, much like Greg Roman has done for Lamar Jackson. You, you know what I'm saying? If Jay Gruden is willing to meet Jalen Hurts in the middle in terms of building the system, then maybe, you know, Trent Baalke might throw it out of there like, hey, like this guy reminds me awful a lot of, of Colin Kaepernick. And you've seen what I could do. And you've seen the success I had in my early goings with the 49ers when I had Kaepernick with paired with the right offensive coordinator. So that might be something that Balky might throw out there uh, to, to maybe get into Dave Caldwell's head or suggest to him or whatever the case may be. It's going to be very interesting to see because Balky has had way more success than Dave Caldwell as a GM. How much of a say he has in this draft and how much of a say uh, or influence he has in terms of building this team through the draft, at least for this year, because we don't know what the future holds for the Jacksonville Jaguars front office. Right. A lot of things up in the air. And then, of course, what's your take on them possibly being in the driver's seat for one of those elite guys in 2021? A part of me believes the Jacksonville Jaguars will stumble upon like a 500 or close to 500 season. And then the fans will be stuck with Dave Caldwell and Doug Marone again because Shad Khan just doesn't know when to cut, you know, let people go. Uh, A part of me believes that. But at the same time. I feel like we're looking at much along the lines of maybe even four to five wins right now. That's how I feel. But I guess what I'm saying is I wouldn't be shocked with Dave Caldwell and Doug Marone's jobs being on the line and fans wanting them out and this, that, and other. I would not be shocked if they got close to 500 and then, you know, we have to end up dealing with them for one more year and, and going on with them through 2021 and so on and so forth. But for the fans' sake, the best thing that probably could happen is the Jaguars winning five, four, or less 
Now, just to throw this out there, Jay, I want to get your thoughts on it. Of course, the main priority, and we'll get down to this uh, down the line when we get to the defensive side of things, of course, making sure we get Jan paid and, and keeping him here. Now, if they are able to free up some money, none of these guys that I, as far as names that are going to be available as far as free agents, I mean, those guys probably aren't in play, right? If they're able to free up some money and also unload foals, are any of those guys that are going to be free agents possibilities here or no? Yeah, probably not. I think what's telling of what the Jaguars may be feeling is the move to Jay Gruden to get such a friendly uh, coordinator to Gardner Minshew. I think that's telling to what they're thinking in terms of uh, getting Gardner or making Gardner the starter uh, heading forward. I mean, that's just my personal opinion on that. But at the same time, I mean, like, don't, don't be shocked. I mean, I wouldn't be shocked, at least, if Dave Caldwell just flat out came to grips with it kind of like me and you are viewing it that Gardner may not be the answer it wouldn't shock me if he came to grips with that and and maybe drafted somebody as opposed to maybe I guess getting somebody out of free agency because again like you said the cap situation while it's it's kind of easily fixable they really don't have a lot of room to be adding additional needs outside of the ones that really surfaced or flared up real bad last year those being like linebacker uh getting younger at defensive tackle offensive line uh getting a receiver again maybe a number one tight end when you add all of those into effect quarterback may be less of a need or or lower on the priorities list than those I mean I would think it is at least uh so from that perspective I don't really think they could afford to even chase one of these big name guys if they wanted to uh but you know I keep going back to this man Dave Caldwell shocked us when he drafted Blake Bortles in the draft, we were looking for, you know, Teddy Bridgewater or somebody else, perhaps. So, you know, at the same time, I always have it in the back of my mind that Dave Caldwell could shock us in the NFL draft again this year. If he doesn't feel like Gardner's the guy, I do feel like he do thinks he feels that Gardner is the guy, at least for this year. But again, man, you, you also got the bulky effect in there. Maybe bulky can get in his head and say, hey, look, man, take a swing at one of these guys at the second or third round. Because, look, we got, what, 19, 18 picks over the next two years, man. Solidify yourself for the future as well as terms of the quarterback position, too, because ultimately that's that your longevity depends on that. I know you have to look at this year because, you know, in Dave Caldwell's case, you know, you're you're playing for your career at this point. But at the same time, if you are extended past this point, you may have your quarterback in the future and one of these guys that you could take a swing at at round two or round three if you you know you hit on them or whatever the case may be. Right. And then, you know, just as we were talking about it, you know, of course, we got Jay Gruden here now and we're talking a lot about the Andy Dalton comparison. Now, just going to throw one more thing out here before we move on to our last two topics. Now, would you do a scenario now? Uh, the report came out today that the Bengals are going to be working with Andy Dalton to make sure he gets to a favorable situation. They they seem to be splitting amicably as the Bengals move into their next, uh, you know, their uh, their next um, generation of of um, of Bengals football. Would a scenario, uh, if a scenario presented itself, where we shipped Nick Foles to Cincinnati to give you know to give them that veteran presence for Joe Burrow? you know, and we, you know, send them maybe a pick or something like that, a late round pick. And then we get Andy Dalton. Is that something, do you think that would appeal to the Jay Gruden or the team in general? Maybe. I mean, like it literally just came to my head while we were talking about all these quarterbacks. 
Yeah, you know, like I know Jay Gruden probably would be fond of bringing in Andy Dalton, much like, uh, you know, DeFlippo was fond of bringing in Nick Foles. Uh, but my question is to to counter that is if you ship Nick Foles to the Bengals and they ship you Andy Dalton, uh, I would have to look at his cap figures. But how much are you really saving? You know what I'm saying? Is it that significance of uh, of a savings in terms of um, making that swap, if you will? I mean, if, you know, Dalton comes in at a little bit less of a cap hit than than Foles. It's it's not going to be that big of a uh, amount to the point where you would have to think Andy Dalton is going to be the starter, uh, because I, I would think like Andy Dalton's salary on the year is along the lines of I, I'm, well actually I just pulled it up on over the cap here, and it says his 2020 sa- salary cap charges seventeen point seven million. I think Foles is like the twenty area somewhere like so you're paying a little bit like three li- million less or, or three million less cap hit. I mean, at least from what I'm reading here. So it's not really that significant of a difference. But if they made that swap, I'll say this. you I mean, Andy Dalton is your starter. And basically, you know, Gardner Minshew would know it at that point because you're not going to pay that man $17.7 million not to start. And, you know, that might, you know, rub Gardner some type of way. Uh, but at the same time, look, man, these guys are playing for their jobs in terms of Doug Marone. In terms of even, you know, Jay Gruden and even the guys that just got into the mix, like Ben McAdoo, who we'll talk on later, they just got in the mix. But initially, they, I mean, essentially, they're on a one year deal, too. So if, you know, Jay Gruden feels so comfortable to the point with Andy Dalton to the point where he wants to make that trade and feels like he can be successful with him. I guess you kind of couldn't blame him because, you know, they're fighting for their jobs at the end of the day. Uh, but I personally wouldn't be a fan of that. I would just go with Gardner Minshew uh, because Gardner Minshew does have the upside as well. And he's very identical to Andy Dalton. And if you really just cater the system to him, which that's exactly what Jay Gruden is going to do. I, I think like it's not really going to be that significant of uh, a drop off between what you would get between him and Andy Dalton. Makes sense. You know, like I said, I was just kind of throwing it out there just because, you know, we are talking about the quarterbacks and he was a name that came up here today. So Andy Dalton will be on the move as well and add another quarterback to to that list we just mentioned. So moving on as Jay just he's there talking about Ben McAdoo, uh, the Jaguars coaching staff is shaping up to pretty much be a uh, just a meeting ground for AFC East and NFC East uh, former coaches. Of course, you know, Marone was up in Buffalo. Jay Gruden was over in Washington. And then now we got Ben McAdoo filling the quarterback coach position. Of course, he was the head coach up until uh, 2017, I believe. Um, he did go 13 and 15 over the span of 28 games, you know, pretty pretty underwhelming stint there in New York, but I don't know how you feel, Jay. Um, you know, we'll, we'll, and we'll get your thoughts here in a moment, but this coaching staff's shaping up pretty, pretty good. In my opinion, of course, like you said, you know, Jags are off season champions. They're the Kings of getting us really excited around this time of year, but I, I like bringing him in, you know, as quarterback coach, he, of course, you know, uh, had some, some early success, which led to him getting, the head coaching position to begin with, but how do you, how did you feel about the Ben McAdoo hire coming in to work with Foles for now and more specifically Gardner Minshew? Yeah, I love that hire actually, you know, being McAdoo as a head coach, being McAdoo as an offensive coordinator, I would have my skepticisms, but he's an assistant 
And he's an assistant that, you know, albeit he doesn't really have a large body of work in terms of working specifically with the quarterback position in terms of being a specific quarterback coach. He's only did it, what, two years? And that was with Aaron Rodgers with the Green Bay Packers before he actually got the job to be offensive coordinator with the New York Giants. But uh, Aaron Aaron Rodgers endorsed him heavily when he moved on to the New York Giants. I uh, said he was a guy that listens, takes in information, that processes information, that exchanges ideas with the with the quarterbacks, and he was just very beneficial to the quarterback room. So, you know, that sounds like a guy that's going to work very well with Gardner Minshew. I think it's going to bode real well for Gardner Minshew in particular. Uh, you know, it could bode well for Nick Foles as well if he's still there. Uh, but, you know, for especially for the younger guy, the guy that, you know, who is what he's going on his second year, basically. Uh, I think Ben McAdoo is the kind of quarterbacks coach you might want in terms of, you know, having coaching up a young guy of that caliber. And, and we'll see where it goes from um, from here on. But I like the hire. Doug Marone now has two former head coaches, like you said, from the NFC East within his staff. I've always said the more former head coaches you can get to be your lieutenants and get to be your assistants, the better. We, Of course, we got to see how this is going to play off. Like you said, the uh, we're the offseason kings of football. So, like, you know, you can't never get too excited about it. But, like, in the midst of all of this this craziness that's going on with shotgun and all the negativity that's really coming from the building and, and all of the animosity between the fans and the organization, you got to hand it to Doug Marone. Like, he is, like, the, the small glimmer of light, the small glimmer of hope in terms of what's going on this offseason that actually is keeping fans intrigued and keeping fans excited about, you know, the 2020 season because it's kind of hard to get excited about the 2020 season. But this staff, so far, so good. I'm impressed, and I'm, I'm really curious to see what these two former head coaches can do with this offense that struggled mightily last year. Right. It'll be very interesting to see what they're able to do with the pieces that we have here and any pieces that we're able to add on through the draft and free agency. But just like you, Jam, I'm pretty excited to see what happens. And of course, we hope it all comes together when it comes to the games that actually matter. But for now, uh, at least we have something to look forward to uh, at least a little bit. So we'll move on to our very last topic here before we get out of here for the week. Uh, Jay and uh, Janice Harris from News for Jacks got to sit down with uh, an interview Shad Khan uh, amidst all this controversy that's been going on. Of course, you, Jay and I filled an entire episode about it last week and we could have kept going guys, believe us. <laughs> and we could have filled an entire episode just with fan reactions as well, because you guys have been very vocal and it's honestly uh, as, as frustrating as it, as it is to be fans of this team. It is great. And I think I can speak for Jay to be part of a fan base that's so passionate and that's slowly coming together amidst all this controversy. So what did Shad Khan say this week? Well, <laughs> we'll get into it here. So uh, he's he stated that moving the extra games to London uh, ha- was a, quote, logical solution to expand the fan base and alleviate pressure on fans in Jacksonville to support the games. Uh, he spoke in a 12 minute interview um, he stated, I think it's been, gr- uh, I think it's been great uh, as, as far as his decision to play international games. Jacksonville, I think, is a small market. When I was introduced, for me it was, I'm going to do everything to keep NFL football in Jacksonville. So how do we do that? A logical solution to me 
was really, we want to expand the fan base. We don't want to put extra pressure on our fans in Jacksonville to be able to support all the games. He would continue on to say he was trying to make it, um, he wants to play in a full stadium and also make it easier for them. Talking about the fans Uh, uh, continuing on to say playing games outside the country really turned out great for us. I think our fans have traveled with us. We have a lot of fans outside the U S and it's been a win-win for everybody. Great for the league too. So a lot to unpack there. And as I mentioned, this is just a snippet of a 12 minute interview that, that he did here with, uh, with news for Jack's and with Janice and again, Jay, <laughs> Shad Khan just continuing to seemingly to continue put his foot in his mouth with when it comes to talking about the fans. And I don't know what's going on here in the last few months. I don't know why all of a sudden the rhetoric has been, you know what? Jacksonville just can't really handle it. I, you know, I want the team to be here, but you guys aren't good enough to support you know a team full-time it's essentially what we have now is a part-time nfl team (laughs) and jay you and i talked about this before we even got started as far as the popularity of this team outside of the country it's not even really that substantial and i don't know that i've met very many fans or seen that many fans especially on social media that's the best way to track this that are coming from across the pond to say to come watch a game in a stadium first off as we've talked about before on the Jags Den, it's 115 degrees outside and we're melting and it's $12 for a bottle of water. So why would they come over here and watch a game? <laughs> uh, it's just a lot of this. There's a lot here to unpack. I'm going to kind of just calm down a little bit and I'm going to let you go. <laughs> what did you think about Shad Khan just coming out and just continuing to support the, the thought that for some reason, Jacksonville, even after all this time, is not able to support a team full time? Yeah, man, it's so much there to unpack. I don't even know how to list this stuff off like you and even word it or where to begin. Um, I guess I'll start with a part where he was saying, you know, uh, you know, this has all been great for him, basically, and great for the Jacksonville Jaguars. I feel like he just needs to be honest and just tell it like it is and say it's been great for his pockets. Because essentially, you know, as a billionaire, you know, it's all about the revenue and it's all about making the money because I don't think like the Jags are major league in us. I don't think they're trying to move. I just think Shad Khan is the classic case of a billionaire that wants every extra million that you could get possible. And the games in London provide that again, they pay out double than what the games would here. Another issue with it is again, going back to what him being 38 and 90, he hasn't won enough to even see what the reaction in terms of revenue locally would be. If he had a full slate of games in Jacksonville, if the team did their part and was winning, uh, that's a big part of this. It's like, you know, he has to rely on this London thing because basically, or at least it feels this way. Basically, you know, the team isn't doing their part to to get the revenue or that that stream of revenue, that boulder of revenue that we talked about going uh, consistently poured into the team from the locals because the product on the field simply is not that good. So, I mean, again, like I just, I wish he would be more honest and, and, you know, him coming out to say what you just said about, um, what was it? He said in the interview, I'm, I'm blanking out on it actually. Oh, a logical solution is that we want to expand the fan base. We don't want to put extra pressure on our fans in Jacksonville to support all the games. Yeah. So, um, yeah. So on the extra pressure part you know like I, 
that kind of to me it feels like the Jaguars are kind of just simply bad at PR when you hear a statement like that because you go from him saying they want to alleviate pressure off the fans to uh, last year saying you know he doesn't think uh, there was an appetite enough of an appetite in Jacksonville or at least at, at TIAA Bank Field again just simply. Th- all they have to do is just tell the truth and, and, and because they're making it look like they just are terrible at T uh, at PR, just say, look, as an owner, I haven't done my part to put the correct product on the field. As a result, you know, the fans are in Jacksonville locally are going to rebel. And as a billionaire, I want to make as much money as I can off of this losing franchise and I have to play games in London to do so until maybe perhaps the team is is what I want it to be on the field, watchable on the field to maybe see if that's even an idea to maybe see if I could generate the type of revenue that I want to from the team locally. It's simple as that. Just dumb down the message. And just if you just would admit your flaws or better yet, like what might even help them if the Jacksonville Jaguars just simply be quiet and just stop just stop doing interviews period and just quiet down for a little while, you know, let everything settle. And then when the season comes, you know, hope that hope for the best, hope that Gardner Mitchell can propel this team to new heights. They actually start winning and you won't have to keep doing interviews like this. That might be what they need to do. Either just be quiet and chill out for a little while, or just simply admit that the product on the field has been so poor that you need to rely on the London games to get extra money and, and continue to make the revenue that you want to get out of the, what, I guess the bottom uh, fourth of the league or whatever the case may be. Yeah. Just like you said, Jay, I mean, it, it kind of reminds me at, at this point, reminds me of like when you were about to get in trouble or when you were in trouble with your parents and you thought of something really smart to say back and they were, and they told you just be very careful about what you're about to say and think, do, is this something you really want to say to me? <laughs> that's what it reminds me of at this point. It's just like, just shut up at this point. And like you said, just let everything play out as far as the off season. And maybe we don't hear from you until August. I think fans would be perfectly fine with that because to say that <laughs> to take, they're trying to alleviate pressure from the fans. Like what do you, what are you talking about, man? F- fans are going to go to these games. I said this last week, and I'm going to repeat it pretty much every single time we're on the air until they get it. Because if you put a winning product on the field, fans are going to come to these games. So just stop it with this nonsense, you know, to keep it, you know, PG. We're a family show. <laughs> you know, like, so, I mean, this is just absolutely ridiculous. And for him to continue to keep putting his foot in his mouth, and then we'll hear something from Lamping later on this week or next week, trying to defend these comments or or clear them up. You know, it's just this vicious cycle. And at this point, we're all just sick of it, I think, because we don't really want to hear from him anymore. It, you know, for the time being, the, the games are, the games are gone. All right, there's nothing else we can do, at least right now. We can only hope that in 2021, we will get at least seven, which is just a wild thing to wish for for an NFL team. <laughs> You're supposed to get eight anyway. But yeah, at this point, it just seems like it would be in, in his best interest, like you said, Dave, for him to just just stop talking for a little bit. You know what I mean? Just, just take a step back and let us, you know, just let us enjoy what we can in, until until the season. Yeah. And something I want to add to this is, you know, a quick news flash is. 
look, man, the the Jacksonville Jaguar, not just them, just the NFL in general, don't really generate that much money off of ticket sales. So, uh, you know, to make it clear, I don't think it's about the actual ticket sales building revenue, if that makes sense. I think more so for Shad Khan, it's just the look of an empty stadium. He doesn't want that look. He don't want to be embarrassed. He doesn't want the look of an empty stadium. And games held in London can prevent that uh, because, again, like we said, he's 38 and, and 90 or, or whatever the case may be in terms of his record. And, you know, it, it will be an eyesore to watch in terms of when the games are played at TIAA Bank Field. Uh, but, you know, like I said, those games in London, uh, they pay out more money to him. And like all billionaires, that's going to be the bottom line for him is where I'm going, where the money goes. Um, Again, I don't think he necessarily is trying to move the team there, but he's trying to have his cake and eat it. Basically, he he does want the Jacksonville Jaguars to stay in Jacksonville, but he wants them to be the part-time Jacksonville Jaguars and play games in London to not only just remove that eyesore in terms of how the stadium looks, but get that extra money that the international series pays out as well. And, and yeah, I agree with you or basically what I already said is like, I just at this point, you know, I just wish that they would just in terms of public relations, just take a back seat or whatever the case may be. And just like let us watch the moves unfold in terms of what Dave Caldwell and Doug Marone do instead. Right. And since that is that would be the best thing for them to do, it means they're going to do the exact opposite. So the bright side of it is going to give us plenty of things to talk about here, you guys. I mean, <laughs> we've that's what we've been really excited about is just there. Like, I, I think I mentioned this every single time. There's never a shortage of topics when it comes to the Jacksonville Jaguars, no matter how poor things are going for the franchise. But that is going to wrap up episode two of Believe in the Jaguars. You guys, thank you so much for all of the support that we've gotten early on. Um, again, if you're enjoying the show, please go on to Apple Podcasts and give us a five-star rating and review. We would really appreciate it. Just like Jay mentioned, check out our Patreon, guys. There's something we're really, really excited about. It's an opportunity for us to interact with you guys more and also give you extra content that we're really, really excited to record and get out there for you guys as well. That's patreon.com slash believe in the Jags. Now, as I mentioned, subscribe to the podcast, guys. We're pretty much anywhere you listen to your favorite podcast apple spotify google play stitcher luminary and tune in of course we're on believe.com and at believe podcast again jay is at sports grind underscore don i'm at phil the filipino and that's about it guys so you know episode two is in the books next week we'll move on to another position for the jacksonville jaguars and give you guys our analysis for that um so yeah that's it for this week guys thank you so much for listening to believe in the jaguars podcast on the believe podcast network we'll see you next time we believe do you Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? 
That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.